Well, finally, welcome to another edition of Run Out Radio. We know it's been a while. We've been bad boys, but we've been really busy. This is Jerry Forsyth alongside Mike Howerton. Run Out Radio is brought to you by Predator Group, Simonis Cloth, and, of course, Tiger Products. So think nice thoughts about those folks. Mike, how you doing, buddy? Well, um, as usual, I'm glad to be home. It seemed like we were on the road uh, every week there for about a month. Yeah, thank you. As I'm about to hit the road again to go up to Bristol for the Women's Satellite event. Yep, hopefully uh, people will be listening to this before that event happens. Uh, that all comes down to whether I can have it edited by that time. <laughs> well, we'll see how that turns out. A lot has happened since we've spoken to these folks. What you got on your plate? Well, um, I think one of the biggest pieces of news has to be the Hall of Fame. Um, to no one's surprise whatsoever, Johnny Archer and Allison Fisher were voted in in their first years of eligibility. Um, the dinner, which will not be taking place at the trade show, as it has happened in the past, uh, will take place on the Thursday of the U.S. Open Nine Ball Championships in Chesapeake. That'll be the 22nd of October, right? Indeed. And you can get uh, your tickets for that, I guess, from Barry Berman at, uh, at the U.S. Open. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you spoke to him at the trade show, but I did, and he was very excited about having the dinner there. Um, I think it's going to be strange to have Allison inducted at a, an event that she can't play in, but in these trying times, you make do as best you can. Well, I hope that someday soon Allison will be able to play in the U.S. Open. I'm all for unisex pool. I don't know. Barry's... Uh... You know, Barry is is um, kind of hard to convince when he feels strongly about something, and I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, real quickly, before we get off the subject of the Hall of Fame, two things. Um, we're going to have interviews with both, both Johnny and Allison coming up here on the show here in just a little bit. But before we, we move on to other news, were you as shocked as I was that Ralph Suquet received as few of votes as he did? I was absolutely gobsmacked. I could not believe it. And the only explanation that I can come up with, and frankly a couple of people have told me they did this, myself included, I'm ashamed to say, people withheld votes for Ralph because they were afraid he would beat out uh, Johnny. And uh, they they didn't want that to happen because obviously Johnny Archer deserves to go in on the first ballot, which doesn't mean that Ralph Suquet doesn't deserve to go in on his first time on the ballot. But this is the Billiard Congress of America Hall of Fame. And while we certainly want to recognize the greats from around the world, um, I just believe that the great American uh, belongs in there first. And apparently a lot of people... Uh, who also voted did so as well. Yeah, I thought there was a chance that uh, that both Ralph and Allison. I mean, I figured Johnny would be on every every ballot, but I thought there was a chance that both Ralph and Allison would get seventy five percent of the vote. But um, the information, as we heard it in the press release, they said that uh, Bustamante and Perico were three and four. Um, I had heard that Ralph was was way down in the voting. Um, you know, as far as number of votes, which completely shocked me. But 
next year I expect he will get in and and I think you know Ralph is a is a professional and he understands that it was just a, a timing issue and I don't think he would be unhappy at all seeing Johnny and Allison go in and, and him waiting a year I mean there's no question he'll be there oh absolutely no question and next year this is just a rumor I don't know it to be a fact but I understand that we're going to have an, another interesting player eligible for the first time next year. All right, now spill. Jeanette Lee. Oh, geez, yeah. Well, considering that, let me let me back that up. In the past, the the votes for the Hall of Fame were handled by members of the BCA, which were normally industry members who viewed what a player had done for the industry over their playing accomplishments, you know, Jeanette would have gotten in with no question there. I mean, Jeanette gets in either way because she's she's an accomplished champion to boot. But uh, right. now that it's being voted in by the media, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see uh, Ralph and Jeanette both make it in next year. But that's next yep. year. I'm not going to worry about it. That's my prediction. <laughs> um, staying on the subject of the BCA, we had the trade show. Um, it's a little like a ghost town in there as far as booths go. Yeah, the, the show, well, it was about the same size as it was in Charlotte, I think, but uh, way down from, from years past. But everybody knew it was going to be way down from years past. I mean, let's face it, our economy is just in the tank. And billiards is, as we know, and have discussed many times, it's discretionary spending. So it gets hit first, and it gets hit hardest, and it gets hit longest. But the traffic, the foot traffic that was at this year's show was, oh, heavier than I had assumed it would be. And every vendor I talked to, well, save one, said that they either met or exceeded their goals. Uh, I know that... Uh, I was trying to uh, speak to Jamie at Q&K and couldn't the first two days of the show because she was constantly writing orders. And there were several people that were, you know, just very, very busy. Uh, you just couldn't get to them. It seemed like the um, the smaller booths, the the companies that had one table and maybe had a new product, there didn't seem to be a lot of interest in new products, but the established players who are out there every year, the, the Q and Case, the Predator, the Diamond, um, Q-Tech, Olhausen, um, you know, they were busy. They were busy the whole time. Yes, they were. And, you know, on that booth size thing, I talked to a couple of vendors who had downsized their booth for this year because they felt that the traffic would be down and the buying would be down, and they regretted that. They will be going back up in booth size next year. Good. Apparently, size does make a difference. <laughs> um, now, there were elections that were held this year for the BCA board. Uh, now, you were, you were kind of following that story, weren't you? Yeah, I mean, it's always of interest to see who will put their hat into the ring to uh, – to, to be on the board of the BCA, I mean, right now it's a, it's a very tough position uh, to be in due to the economy and the state of the industry. But we've always got heroes who will step forward and do it. And um, let's see, this year 
the uh, the uh, first chairman, the BCA board chairman, is Ivan Lee, a job that he has held before. Uh, so, of course, he's very familiar with the territory. Uh, Ivan, of course, is chairman of uh, Simonis Cloth here in the U.S. And the um, first vice chairman is going to be uh, Renee Lyle of the APA. And second vice chairman is Kathy Vay of Danny Vay's Billiards and Home Stores. And the secretary is going to be Eric Weber of Q-Sticks International. And the treasurer will be Kareem Belhaj, the uh, chairman executive, chief executive officer of the Predator Group. And um, you will note, by the way, that uh, the majority of the officers on the BCA represent companies that advertise on AZ Billiards. There's got to be a connection there, right? There has to be, absolutely. (laughs) Another big announcement that happened right about the time of the trade show from one of the big players there was Q-Tech. Now, they've sponsored Allison Fisher forever, and, you know, they dropped Earl a couple years ago, and there was a lot of uh, talk in the industry about would they pick up another male player. There was talk there at one time about uh, them maybe picking up one of the artistic pool players. Um, that mystery is solved. They signed uh, Shane Van Boning to a three-year deal. Uh, very good choice, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so, too. He, he certainly projects a very positive image, the same type of image that they get from Allison. Uh, so I think that's a real good one-two team. Um, I spoke to him briefly. He said that he had been uh, playing with his Q-Tech. He was very, very happy with it. Um, compared to the cue that he used to shoot with, he said it was a night and day difference. Um, I know I always play better when I'm playing with a new cue. Of course, I don't play Shane Speed, but uh, you know, hopefully that'll be uh, that'll be good for him. I know he's got a big uh, challenge match coming up that we'll talk about a little bit later in the show. Well, we'll get to see him at both uh, Turning Stone, uh, where we'll be streaming. And at the U.S. Open, where uh, Pat Fleming will be screening AccuStance. So people have a good, a lot of good chances to uh, watch Shane play with his new cue. Last thing that I wanted to, uh, to mention about the trade show, uh, you were not with me at the time that I saw this. I was towards the back of the trade show, and uh, Mike Massey was there. Now, Mike, Mike's a great guy. You know, I, I've never hid my feelings towards artistic pool and trick shots watching them on TV. They just don't do anything for me. But Mike Massey was there, and he was uh, he was doing some, some exhibitions and that sort of thing. When I was watching, it was kind of quiet uh, at the booth that he was at, and a family came by with a couple of young kids, and Massey set up the the famous, you know, six balls in the, like the asterisk formation in the center of the table, you know, it's a it's a trick yeah. shot that they can all make. Well, he sets this shot up, and he brings maybe an eight- or nine-year-old kid up there and, and shows him where to hit the ball and, and gives him the instruction. So the kid fires the shot. All six balls go in. This kid beamed from ear to ear. I mean, he jumped up and down and ran over and high-fived his dad. Five minutes later, he was still talking about the shot that he had made, where he had made six balls in one shot. And trick shot or no trick shot, if if someone in this industry can bring forth that kind of emotion from a young child, then I think we need more of it. Um, I, I don't, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not, 
I'm not rushing to watch Artistic Pool on TV after this, but you really have to hand it to what that sort of thing can do to a youth who may never forget that moment. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, Massey is good at creating those moments. He's, uh, he knows how to, to, to work the crowd and how to, uh, to really, well, to share his excitement for the game. It was it was definitely fun to watch. Um, I mean, this kid this kid didn't know me from Adam, and he was you know he was telling me that he had made six balls. So I was really impressed with that. But but enough of the trade show. We could talk about the trade show all day. Um, we've got some other interesting news. We've got a new number one player in the world. Oh yes, that would be Mr. Appleton. Yes, um, I. <laughs> I won't lie and say that I expected him to win the World Ten Ball Championship. I mean, we were there, and he expected to win the World Ten Ball Championship. But I think he can now. I mean, there's no question now that that was not just a one-hit wonder. He caught a gear for a week and won a tournament. Uh, I mean, Darren's is the real deal, and he has been proving it for the last year or so. Yeah, he's constantly playing during the weekend and often on Sunday. Uh, and you don't get there time after time after time on anything other than skill. And uh, and he's a great guy, too. I mean, uh, you don't hear anybody say anything bad about Darren Appleton. No, no. Darren's a good guy, always uh, always willing to step up and, and help any way he can. You know, if, if we as a member of the media contact him for something, he's always been there. Um, uh, no complaints at all. I think he's a very deserving number one, and I wish him a long stay at the number one spot. Yes, I do too. Uh, you know, I, I love the guys who who have a, a great, big, outgoing personality, and who bring more to the table than just the ability to make balls. And Darren Appleton definitely does that. I'll never forget when he paraded around the room with the uh, the flag uh, held <laughs> high. <laughs> and that big old grin on his face, uh, uh, that's just one of those memories that will always stay with me. Yeah. Now, the the event that locked him into number one was his third-place finish in Qatar. He didn't win that one. Miko won that one. Um, another player who is, is has brought his A game, I mean, you and I discussed last year how tight the player of the year race was between Mika and Ralph, and, and you know, we gave it to Ralph – by a nose, but uh, <clears throat> I think Mika is another player, along with Darren, that has to be considered in Player of the Year conversation for 2009 already. Oh, sure. Uh, he, he's steady as always. Um, again, he's, he's, he's always there at the end. Um, you know, it's, it's really one of those things where at the end of the year, all we can do is collect all the tournament results we can find and... Uh, who comes out on top, and it could be close again this year. Yeah, uh, Mika won forty thousand in Qatar, and when those results get added to the database, which goes back to what we talked about earlier, when I get that done, um, when those results get added to the database, that should put Mika at the top of the money list. You're going to have Darren Appleton as the number one player in the world. You're going to have Mika as the number one player on the money list. Ralph Souquet is going to be the number one player on the BCA points list. Um, I'm thinking about those three names, and I'm thinking just with those three, that's going to be 
assuming they all three make it in, an awfully tough European Moscone Cup team. Oh, brother. <laughs> that, that European team, you know, it's been getting stronger and stronger and stronger, and you're right. I mean, uh, this year they're going to put up one heck of a team, and um, America is really going to have to dig deep and uh, like, um, well, like some of the team members say, uh, the, the, uh, the Moscone Cup American team is going to have to play as a team this year. They've got they they can't handle being individuals again. It's cost them the last two years. Well, and I think they need to all be on the same page together. They can't have they can't have any cancers on the team. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Um. Had a couple big events announced while we were away. Um, I just received notification today that Alan Hopkins is holding the Valley Forge Bar Box 10 Ball Championships. That'll be August 7th through the 9th in King of Prussia uh, at the Valley Forge Convention Center. Alan sure seems to like those Bar Box events. Yes, he does. What did you say those dates were? August 7th, 8th, and 9th of this year. Man, that's that's just thirty days from now. Yeah, he's, and this will be the third event that he's had there because he had uh, he had another bar box event there maybe two three weeks ago. Must have worked out very well. Well, yeah. and of course, uh, in in other ten ball news, Mark Griffin announced the U.S. Open ten ball championship would take place at the Riviera in May of next year. Um, you know, ever since the BCA pulled their event out of there. There's been uh, the matchroom event that took place there and the Dragon Promotions event there. Um, looks like Mark's going to take over running a, a pro event of his own there. And, and I'm hearing that the matchroom event will probably be there again. So the fans who are there playing in the amateur division will uh, certainly have enough pros to watch. Yes, and Mark's event will be a BCA rankings event um... Do you know if our database manager has put that on the list for 2010 yet? I, I believe that would be on the list of things to get done. Yes. Real quick, before we uh, before we move on from new events, this isn't really a new event, but it's a new regional tour. Um, all year now, the ladies who are trying to qualify for the WPBA out of the Florida area have been without a place to do so. Uh, the Ladies' Spirit Tour had had basically stopped holding events. Um, Mimi McAndrews, one of the players, has announced the formation of the Flamingo Billiards Tour. Their first event is going to be August 15th. That will be a qualifier for the Colorado Classic. Um, on more of a personal note, uh, I've been friends with Heather Barkley for for quite some time, and Heather is one of the the two players who led the the Ladies Spirit Tour. I know how uh -huh. difficult it was for her to let that tour go, but also knowing Heather as well as I do, she didn't feel that it was something that she could do at the level that it had been done in the past, and knowing her, if it could not be held to the same level, then she was not going to cheat the players. Um, I hate to see the Ladies' Spirit Tour even go away for a year, you know, with the possibility of them coming back or something like that. Um, 
but this tour with uh, the Flamingo Billiards Tour, you know, that'll be it'll be good for the players. They've Florida's a hotbed of pool. It has been for years and years, and it'll be it'll be good for those players to still have the opportunity to qualify. Uh, more information on that tour is available at www.flamingobilliardstour.com. And I got one last category of things to talk about. All right. Challenge matches. Okay. Um, we have one to talk about that's already happened and one to talk about that's coming up. Uh, in the Philippines, a rotation challenge match between Efren Reyes and Ronnie Alcano uh, took place a couple weeks ago. I'm going to say to no one's surprise, although I'm sure people would argue that with me, but in my mind, to no one's surprise, Alcano won that challenge match 9-4, to and he is now dubbed by the media in the Philippines as the rotation king of the world. Well, that's quite a title. And, um, I mean, obviously we've known for a long time how well Ronnie plays, but I, I hated to see the score that wide. Um, would have liked to have seen a much closer match. Yeah. Um, well, not to beat a dead horse, um, Efren and Bustamante and, and that group of players, they're not getting out there and competing in these major events, and I understand why they're not doing it, and I certainly don't want to get involved in that conversation because we don't <laughs> want to make this a two-hour show. But it's not helping their games. No, it's not. Uh, but I, I really do hate to see uh, Efren fall at all because I can remember when Efren practiced uh, rotation by throwing two racks of balls out on the table. And with 30 balls out there, he would run the table, 1-1, one, one, then 2-2, two, two, then 3-3. Three, three, and it was, it was just something to watch. Well, and another... Another sad byproduct of what's going on over there right now is you've got a player like Bustamante who, let's face it, he's not going to have very many opportunities to win a world championship, and that's something he still has not done. And by him sitting out of world championships, even though he believes completely in that decision, it would be horrible to see his career end without a world championship uh, trophy in his trophy case, and and that's what it looks like is going to happen. Yeah, unless things get resolved quickly, and um, frankly, we don't see that happening. So, I, it's it's sad that the, the politics of the game over there are are keeping players off the table. Um, but it, I don't I don't see an end in sight. No. Uh, the other challenge match we have coming up would be. Shane Van Boning, who we mentioned earlier, will be bringing his brand new Q-Tech to Big Dogs Billiards in Des Moines, Iowa. And he will be facing off against uh, hometown favorite Scott Frost. They're going to play a race to 150 bar box nine ball. Um, I was up all night last night waiting for Scott Frost to finish winning a tournament here in town, and I did a quick interview with him that will be on the net sometime in the next couple of days. Um, that actually looks like a very interesting match. It's being put on by uh, the guys over at the Action Report. Um, do you have a favorite in that one? Yeah, I do. Um, I think Shane's been, to my knowledge, Shane's been playing more lately. Um, and with all the tough competition that he's faced lately, um, I kind of like Shane to, to 
hold out in that one. I really do. Well, he's certainly uh, he's certainly comfortable in that sort of a, a challenge match, a race to 150. They played over three days. You know, one player will be to 50 when they end the first day, and then one player will be at 100. Um, now, Justin over at the Action Report had an interview with Shane online from the trade show, and Shane is predicting a 15-pack. He's predicting he'll run 15 uh, at some time during that challenge match against Scott. I asked Scott last night what his prediction was, and he said he wasn't making any predictions. He had seen Shane's video, and Scott was just shooting to put a two-pack on Shane. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Scott's, try <laughs> Scott's trying to make Shane overconfident, is he? Okay. Um, yeah, I, um, you know, I don't really know. I've never seen Scott on the bar box. I'm sure he's very good. Um, I mean, he's, he's got such wonderful cue ball control. Um, but Shane has been on these tar productions many more times than Scott has. I think he's going to be more comfortable. I think that gives him the possibility of getting out to a big lead, and big leads are much easier to protect than they are to overcome. Well, if it means anything, I mentioned in the interview last night with Scott that, uh, you know, Shane had been playing a lot on the big table lately and that three or four years ago when Shane was at the top of his bar table game, I don't think there was anybody that really had to be considered a favorite to beat him. And Scott spoke up and said that the two times that he had beaten Shane on the bar box were three or four years ago. So Scott's got a bar table game. And... You know, it could come from his one-pocket game. Everyone knows him as more of a one-pocket player. Um, yeah. And I mentioned it to him last night, and he said that he had never really thought about it. But I think that one-pocket as a game that, that takes place mostly on half the table with lots of clusters may lend itself more to a bar table game where you're playing with clusters and you're playing on a smaller surface. He said he had never really thought about it, but it made sense to him. Yeah, it does. Uh, I assume they'll be playing on a uh, a diamond bar box, and that um, that certainly uh, allows the banking game to come back to it. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's certainly got a shot at it. I mean, Scott's got a uh, a shot at, at winning anything he goes into. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm just going to favor Shane. Okay. Well, I think that's everything I've got. Um, I'm sure we missed a few things since it's been forever since we did one of these shows, but uh, that's all I've got for this one. And, and we've got two marquee guests, which, by the way, were both our guests on the first show that we ever did, and that show is still by far the most listened-to show that we've ever done. Well, all right, let's get to our interviews. Well, as we said, we've got the newest member of the Hall of Fame for the male players on the line right now. Johnny Archer, welcome to the Hall of Fame, buddy. Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate it, everybody. Thank you all for, for having me on. Hey, always good to have you. Um, How did you hear the news? How did it come to you? Um. Well, let's see. Uh, I had a few guys call me, but I think Mike Pinozo and yourself, Jerry, I think you all are the two of the first ones uh, to give me a call. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think so. All right. Um, I assume that was pretty good news for you. That was wonderful news. It sure was. It was. Uh, 
it's just, uh, you know, I'm very excited to be involved uh, with the Hall of Fame and, and uh, you know, being able to say, uh, hey, I'm in the Hall of Fame and, and uh, you know, not to say my career is over, but, um, you know, just to recognize what I've done so far, that's, that's just a good good feeling. Absolutely. And, of course, you had to expect being inducted in the Hall of Fame at some point, but very few players get inducted the very first year that they are eligible. So that's that's really pretty special, Johnny. Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, I was um, I was really excited about the nomination, and I heard earlier in the year that that uh, I was that there was a good chance I was going to be on the ballot, but uh, you know, like you said, you you just don't you know. I figured that it's coming one day, but you know, you never know when, and you know, it's one of them where you, you figure it's going to happen, but you never know until it does. Right, right. Well, Johnny, I'm sure that you've gone over this probably a zillion times with people during interviews, but can you tell us what actually got you started playing pool back in the beginning? Well, actually, what got me started was, um, I, I guess, I used to play, being from a small town there in South Georgia, um, I used to, when when school was out in the summertime, well, it wasn't much to do. You know, my dad and all, he's still working, so he'd just leave us at the house. Well, there wasn't a whole lot to do, you know, with me and my friends. So we would, uh, this one year, we uh, decided we was going to go to this one little store in town, and um, it's called the Minute Mart, and we was playing video games up front. And, uh, you know, we played pretty much the whole summer, and we got, you know, we got pretty good at it. Then uh, right there at the end of the summer, we decided, you know, we're going to go in the back and start playing a little pool. They had a couple of bar tables back there. So we started going back, playing pool. And uh, really the only way I could pay for the games, it was like a quarter a game or 15 cent a game or something like that. And I really didn't have the money to pay for the games. But we figured out that we could get these little um, silver you know, things that, that uh, they go in the light sockets, um, the way they go in. And you can take them out and kind of put them in the coin slot, and it would uh, it would get the game out and still come back. So we were kind of cheating them a little bit. Uh, but it was really the only, uh, you know, luckily for me that it happened that way because uh, if not, I probably wouldn't have enough money to play any pool, and, and who knows, I never, I never played. So, uh, you know, that was one thing I'm not proud of, but it helped me out. Do they have a video game Hall of Fame? I think you could have gone into that if you hadn't made it with Bull. Well, you never know, I guess. Uh, but I always played the real old ones. Miss Pac-Man, actually, still here at my house here. I have a video game um, that I bought here a few years ago and put it here in the house, and all I got is the old ones, you know, Pac-Man and all them old games. So, um, you know, I played them pretty good. Actually, uh, Tommy, a uh, good story one time, Tom McKinney and I, was I was following him from Melbourne, Florida, to Orlando, Florida, for a tournament, and I guess it was a whatever it was, a couple hundred miles, 150 miles, and we stopped to get gas. And I was, uh, you know, he pulled off, so I pulled off behind him, and we go into the little service station, and there's a Miss Pac-Man machine. And he said, I said, man, I said, look at the Miss Pac-Man machine. He said, you play? I said, well, yeah, I play. He says, uh, well, here, let's play. So we started playing for 50 bucks a game. Uh, so uh, we played for two or three hours and, and uh, had a good time and got back in the car and kept going. And uh, Tommy and I, we used to do, we tried to do find, find everything to bet 20 bucks on. But uh, him and I were good friends. At the, you know, we're still good friends, but it was a lot of fun back in them days. So back in those days when you were uh, 
putting slugs into the bar boxes in the back of the mini mart. I mean, that's what, would... what they're called. You're right. Now, how did you know that, Mike? Uh, uh, I looked it up on the, the internet. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, what would you have said if one of your buddies had come to you and said that you were going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame 25 years later? Um, well, you know what? The thing is, back from a small town like I, like I grew up in, you don't never you, you never really think, okay, I'm going to play pool for a living. That's not, um, you know, that's not what I'm going to do. Uh, and you can always dream, but coming from there, you know, you're always, you know, hey, you're going to go work in the mill around town, or you're going to go, you know, work at a at a job and and have three or four kids, and that's the way you're going. That's the way it's going to be. So you don't really, you never really think of anything like that. Um, and so uh, if somebody had told me that, I would have said, yeah, I don't think so. So who was it that first? Johnny took you under your wing and, and I mean, under their wing and, and helped you develop your game. You know, um, still one of my best friends today from there, from Metter, which is only about 10, 12 miles from Twin City. Um, he owned the pool room there in Metter. That was where the pool room was. And his name is Chester Flint. And he's still a great friend of mine even today. Um, and he, you know, he just kind of, he more or less, uh, he was one of the better players around the area. Uh, you know, and some of the old guys, some of the guys would, would come, if they come in town, they would look him up because he would gamble with them. And on this uh, one table that he played on, it was a four-by-eight, um, kind of a drop pocket, big pocket table. He was tough to beat. You know, Nick Varner came there, and uh, he had Nick Varner way down. Uh, he played David Howard. I think he beat David Howard there, uh, Wade Crane. A lot of older guys like that. So, uh, you know, he, he was a great player, um, you know, from the small town, never got out. One of them uh, guys that never got out of town. So, um, you know, he had he had family and, and things to take care of. But, um, you know, great. I owe a lot to him. I tell you what, he, he's uh, been a great friend to me today. He was my best man at my first wedding. When did you first get out of town? Because I know when you were young, you did some road work. You know what? Um, I got out of town when I was 16, and that trip that I was telling you about with Tommy Kennedy from Melbourne, Melbourne was my first road tournament I ever played in. I drove to Melbourne from uh, from Twin City there, uh, and um, I played. It was a weekend tournament, or about a three-day tournament, I guess. And that was my first tournament, and it was funny. I, I hadn't, I didn't get out of town probably 30 miles, got a speeding ticket, uh, my first speeding ticket I ever had. And they took my driver's license from me because I was going too too much over the speed limit. So uh, I, I went out I went out of town probably uh, 15 20 minutes before uh, I got a speeding ticket and took my driver's license from me. And it probably took me a year to get them back. <laughs> so, uh, so I had all it didn't matter. I kept going. Well, I'm glad your luck has changed. Say has well it, uh, no I was lucky back then. I tell you what I. Uh, you know, I was always pretty good. I didn't do the real bad things, but you know, I was I was pretty lucky uh, to be around some good people. Johnny, what was the first tournament of any size that you remember winning? Um, first tournament I ever won out of any size, I would say it was probably the that it was called the Tar. I think it's the Tar Hill or the Tara. Tara, T-A-R-A, Tara Open. It was there in in Atlanta, or here in Atlanta, I mean. Um, and it was probably, it had some of the pros in it. And I think I beat uh, Tony Ellen in the final, 
or Brian mm-hmm. actually, one of the two. Um, but but that was one of my first terms. I was probably about 17 or 18. Okay. Well, I tell you what, while we're waiting for a second, I tell you, I, I want to say thanks to everybody that voted for me, um, including you guys. I, I really appreciate it because um, having the um, ceremony at the Open this year just means so much to me uh, and my family because my dad is going to be able to come, and he's oh, going to make it. And so uh, that meant more to me than anything because my dad's going to get me uh, – he's going to get to watch me, uh, you know, accept the award. And, um, you know, just he is going to be able to enjoy it. My dad will be 80 years old this year. So, um, you know, there's a good chance that, that this wouldn't have been able to happen again, um, him be able to come. So it, it just all worked out great for me. I really appreciate all you guys for, for helping me out. Uh, Mike Pinozo, thank you so much for uh, for working and, and working with Barry Berman. And thanks thanks to, to everybody. I really appreciate it. Well, I know there was talk when uh... – when the BCA pulled their funding of the Hall of Fame dinner and everything, that it wasn't going to happen at the trade shows and that players might feel that that kind of lessened the accomplishment uh, with them not having the dinner at the trade show. So I'm assuming that you don't feel that way? Well, they asked me, I guess, um, if I would want to, you know, accept the, if I would want to be inducted if I, if there wasn't going to be a ceremony. And, I actually told them I didn't. I, I wouldn't. I would rather wait till there was a ceremony, and it actually works out better for me that it's at the open because my dad probably wouldn't be able to go to Vegas. Um, and and this year my whole family's going to be there to see it. My sisters and brothers and they hadn't been out of town in years, uh, so they're going to be able to be there. I have nieces and nephews and aunts and uncles and. They're all going to be there to see it, which they wouldn't have been able to see it um, if it had been in, at the trade show in Vegas. So it actually works out better for me this way. Okay. Well, you had just answered Jerry about your first tournament win. I'm kind of curious what what made you finally decide, you know, 20, 25 or so odd years ago, what was the what was the catalyst that prompted you to decide that you could become a professional pool player and do that for a living? Well, you know what? I always enjoyed really, that was one thing about, I always really enjoyed playing the game. Um, you know, it, you know, even though I gambled a lot, you know, coming up, cause that was really how we tried to make a little bit of money coming up. And, um, but you know what? I really just enjoyed competing. Uh, I enjoyed playing the game. I enjoyed, you know, everything about it. And, you know, I, I guess um, I guess to answer your question, really to get going and playing at a younger age, um, you know, I watched um, one of my first heroes that I seen on TV was Earl Strickland. And I watched him play uh, when he made that shot at uh, Caesars Tahoe, uh, when he jumped that ball on Steve Miserec. Right. And that was in the finals. And... You know, that shot was uh, it was an unbelievable shot. First time I'd ever seen a jump shot. Um, I, think it might, I think it was the first time the announcers ever seen it because uh, they went crazy over the shot. And it was just a, it was remarkable to watch, watch the jump shot come in. That was the first time. I'm sure they'd been jumping the balls before, but uh, Earl brought, really brought the jump shot in. And uh, it was really, uh, you know, I copied his bridge. I copied, tried to copy his stroke. You know, I tried to do everything, and so uh, it was just, uh, you know, that that's what really kept me going because I I really enjoyed watching him win, and and uh, you know, 
win the tournament. That's what I always liked was winning winning the tournament, not really the prize money. Well, you know, now when you when you and uh, Nick Varner are on the road doing your exhibitions, he doesn't have that Hall of Fame one up on you anymore, does he? Well, not right now. Nick uh, Nick's always going to have something up on somebody. That's one thing. It doesn't matter what you win. Uh, Nick is uh, one. So much. He's. I think he's won a. He's won a world championship and and so many different games. Uh, I don't think that that record will ever be broken. I think there's four or five different games. How many ever you can put on there? You know, he's won a world championship in. So uh, you know, that's one thing that I don't think any of the guys. Well, first thing, you know, we don't get to play all of them. And the next thing, I don't think any of the guys are going to be able to to achieve what he's achieved. You know, in the game, and uh, you know, he's just a lot of fun. I enjoy being around him. And uh, we have a great time. And I uh, look forward to a Texas trip coming up uh, here at the end of the month. Very good. How many stops are you going to make in Texas? I think we have about six or seven stops. I'm not exactly uh, sure. I mean, you guys, you know, uh, really help us out by doing doing the advertising for us and posting everything for us and keeping it out there. I think it's great for the game what we're trying to do. You know, we, we definitely need more help. But um, I think um, I think uh, six or seven stops. I think Jerry is uh, what we got. That's a lot of work. Yes, sir. It is work, but uh, you know what? Uh, doing it with Nick is just it, it makes it uh, not as not as much hard work as it would be. I think. Yeah, you know one of the great things about your induction this year is you're being inducted with such a great uh, co-inductee because Allison yes. Fisher is going to be going in beside you and. It was also her first year of eligibility. You know, Allison, uh, people don't give probably as far as achieving in the game itself, not not just on the women's side, uh, achieving in the game itself, what a great player Allison is and uh, and will be. You know, she's got a lot more to win. You know, I'm sure if you ask her, she's got a lot more to win. But, uh, you know, just to, to win the tournaments that she has, you know, and, and stay on top like that. I know how hard it is, and, you know, my hat's off to her of what she's achieved. When it comes to accomplishments, I mean, Johnny, it seems like you've accomplished just about everything there is for a pool player to accomplish out there. What's left that you're hoping to accomplish? I mean, besides, of course, winning as many tournaments as you possibly can. I mean, are there other are there titles that you haven't won? Are there things you haven't done? Well, first thing, uh, one of my biggest accomplishments every year is to to be on a winning Moscone Cup team. You know, that's that's every year, so that's a that's a a goal that that I could set every year. And it's just to be on one. There's always going to be something new, you know, uh, you know, on the winning uh, side. So, you know what? It, it's just you know, winning more opens. You know, that's another thing. I only got one. And I would like, you know, that's one of my favorite tournaments, if not my favorite tournament to play in. So winning more opens, um, you know, there's always something that I haven't done that I'd like to keep doing. What do you think has led to the um, the performances the last couple of years with Team Europe over Team USA in the Moscone Cup? Well, first thing, they just a better, they've just been a better team uh, than we are. You know, I think they're. Uh, you know, one thing that they've had over us that we've kind of lost in the last few years is camaraderie. Okay, we've lost that, and we have to get that back, or they're going to beat us every time. Uh, you know, we're we're not going to have a chance. And so I think uh, we just have to get 
that camaraderie back that we had for the first, uh, you know, eight or ten years that I played on. And, you know, we, we just need to, um, you know, get that back for, for whatever reason. We've, you know, we've lost a lot of it. And not to say the guys, you know, you know, uh, are not wanting to win. I, I know we are. You know, the guys still, they, they still want to win just as much as ever. But I think we've lost a little bit of that camaraderie edge, and the Europeans have got it. They've had it the last few years, and their plays really stepped up. They played, uh, you know, all this, uh, well, you know, they're, they're scared of the American team, or, you know, they get nervous. That's all a thing of the past. You know, that's not true anymore. And uh, which I don't know if it ever was true. They just never really got the credit because we just beat them, you know, a lot. And, you know, now they're kicking our tail. And so we just need to, um, you know, I think we just need a little more camaraderie. I think we need to get together and, um, you know, just play more as a team. And I think we'll be just fine. When you look back on your career, and certainly, again, it's it's far from being over. I'm sure there are, are many, many more tournaments that you're going to win. But if you look back on your career, um, would you have any – or let me, let me back up a second. If one of the young players, the Austin Murphys, the Landon Shuffets that are out there in the game right now, you know, just kind of getting started on their career, came to you for advice, what would you tell them? Well, I guess the first thing I'd tell them, just like anything, try to stay positive. Okay, that's one thing I have fought in the past. And, uh, you know, when I get to playing a little bit suspect, you know, that's always something I have to look look towards that hurts me. And I think that, that you have to, you know, you have to really stay positive. You know, there's going to, you know, the percentage of winning tournaments is so low, Um you know, I don't know if, if, you know, you take a player that's won more than anybody else, he might have won 10%. You know, I don't know, I mean, what the percentage is of how many he's played. So, you know, the winning percentage of winning tournaments is not very high. So you just got to, you got to stay positive. You have to really, you know, try to always know that you can get, you can be better. You always can be better. And there's always somebody out there you can learn from, you know, no matter what it is. And so, uh, you know, I just think that you need to really just stay involved, enjoy the game, you know, enjoy the game first. Uh, There's nothing wrong with getting upset when you lose. You know, I've always said that, you know, you find somebody that's okay with losing, and, and, uh, you you know, to me there's a loser. You know, I know it's not okay to lose, but, you know, you can still handle it with, uh, you know, with, I guess, more dignity or, or whatever you can, whatever you want to call it. But, uh, you know, just stay involved and, and stay positive, and, uh, you know, you'll, you'll be just fine and you'll get better. Where can the fans for the rest of this year see you compete? Are you going to be in Turning Stone? I am. I'm going to be playing in Turning Stone. Uh, I'm going to play in Charlie Williams tournament coming up here in, um, I guess it's the middle of August. It's the straight Is that pool. The straight pool? In all, yeah. yeah. I'm going to play in that. And I don't know if that – is that the world uh, straight pool? championship or the one that's going to be common billiards right yes no 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 the one i'm talking about is he's got a 10 ball alongside of it that's in orlando i think uh now the the world straight pool i think will be at comet business so that's a different event and i will probably be there i still just really enjoy playing straight pool even though i'm not really good at it to be honest with you but but uh you know i i practice it a lot and i want to get better at straight pool that's one thing i do want to get better at and you'll be at the U.S. Open. 
definitely be at the open. Uh, you know, we have the ceremonies there, so I'll be there, be there playing, you know, fighting for Hopefully I'll still be in, involved with the tournament uh, when the ceremonies come. And, uh, you know, keep going. Um, I, I expect or hope to, to get on the Moscone Cup again. Um, that, that always rounds the year out. But, you know, whatever major tournaments you guys have for the points and, you know, stuff like that, I'll be at them. And, um, you know, I'm trying to play – I want to play a little bit more toward the second half of the year, and I see a few more tournaments has popped up, which is great news. And, um, you know, I want to play a little bit more in the last part of the year, the second half of the year, than I did the first part. So, uh, you know, I kind of got the bug a little bit more back, and I want to play a little bit more. Well, Johnny – Congratulations from both of us. Um, no one deserves the honor more than you do, and uh, we look forward to uh, sitting in the audience and applauding very heartily when they hand you that plaque. Well, Jerry and Mike, you guys, uh, you know, y'all, y'all do so much for pool and everybody listening out there. Really st- stick behind, uh, you know, AZ Beards and and what you guys do because uh, people, you guys out there, don't understand what what these two guys here are doing. Um, to help the game you know they they put a lot of their time in you know not getting paid so uh really stick behind us and and stick behind them and um you know i i just think the the game we've lost a little bit of it and we're going to grow it back and um it's going to be a the game's going to be much better from now on i hope so johnny you have a good day thank you very much and we'll talk to you down the road thanks jerry and mike i really appreciate uh the interview thanks guys we'll talk to you soon um Jerry? Yeah. Johnny said, we don't get paid for this? I'm wondering how the word got out. Well, that's... Huh. Okay. That That's... All right. <laughs> you and I had never really talked about that, but I just kind of assumed. Yeah, well, we don't get paid enough. <laughs> well, you know how that, that line goes. It's that same... $10,000 floating around the industry. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we've got a uh, lady waiting uh, that most everyone is going to want to hear from. Allison Fisher coming up. Let's do it. And, Mike, I do believe we've got Allison on the line. Allison, are you there? Yes, I am. How are you? Well, I'm doing great, but probably not as well as the. Congratulations. <laughs> on your election into the Hall of Fame. How do you like that idea? Well, it's wonderful. I really appreciate that. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's something that everyone wants in their career, and uh, it's a lovely sort of... I'm not going to say an end to my career, because I'm obviously still involved in my career, but, um, yeah, it just really... It's, it's an appreciation of what you've done in the sport, and, I, you know, it's just a lovely accolade to have. Well, if I can take you back a bit... You were, of mm-hmm. course, a superstar in snooker long before you came to our shores. And was that a difficult decision for you to make, to leave the game that you'd always played and to come over and, and take up a nine-ball pool? I was thinking about that the other day, and I think the hardest part is the fact, and this is for many players who are obviously on the tour now, is that you leave your family behind, you know, and you're going to obviously a, a a strange country uh, you're not used to. Um, I've enjoyed every minute of being in the States, and for me, it was an easier decision. Um, 
I'm sure for some of the other players who haven't, who where English isn't their sort of natural language, it's been a lot tougher. Um, but it's been it's been a wonderful experience for me. It really has. It's been like a fairy tale living over here. I've really had a wonderful career in Paul, which I, I didn't expect the transition to go like it. You know, it actually did. And um, yeah, it's been it's been a, a really great experience. I've really enjoyed being a part of the WPBA tour and you know all the players over the years. And just Paul in general, I mean, the fans really appreciate it. And, you know, I get to, to meet them at some of the events, the, the major events that we have on the on the calendar. And, uh, yeah, just the the warmth from everyone, really, players and fans alike, has been great. You know, along the lines of that question coming over from, from your background in snooker, I mean, you yeah. dominated the women's snooker game over in Europe. Yeah. I wonder, did you ever in a brief moment worry that you would not be able to transition to nine ball and and play as well as you had played snooker in the past well it actually never entered my head (laughs) (laughs) it really didn't cross my mind i think it was all about the challenge for me i think i came over and was so excited about trying something new and my goal was to be a world champion in two different games and so kind of I had some goals in mind and I didn't even think about the fact that I wouldn't make the transition. I just was looking forward to the actual challenge of it all. And it just worked out. <laughs> Are there any goals that you have left in the game that you haven't accomplished? No, but you see, the thing is, I want to start creating some. I'm not over <laughs> I'm not finished and I'm not down and out yet. And I think... Part of my problem over the last few years is the fact that I haven't had goals. So I think I really want to start, you know, focusing on setting some because I, you know, I have, I have done everything that I really wanted to do and, and could have done. So now it's just about setting some more and having some more sort of records to break. I think I think that that's something that you need to do in sport. Well, now you've won how many classic tour titles? I think I've won fifty-three. And I, I think 53 or 54 and 73 or 4 worldwide with, you know, including the classic tours and other invitationals and world championships. I can't imagine there's any other female player in the history of the game that has won that many classic tour or all over uh, titles. Well, no, it's not looking that way. <laughs> <laughs> Karen's next to me with classic tours, and I think she's at 20-something, in the mid-20s somewhere. I just can't imagine what your next goal will be unless unless you're going to take a three-cushion. Well, no, I want to do some more majors, of course, and, you know, it's really about winning as many as you can and, you know, while you're good enough and... Um, Enjoying it. I mean, that's the, the top of the thing because I think it's nice to be able to have the attitude of when you came into the sport. It's always good to reflect back the reasons you picked up a cue in the first place, and it, you know, and I think it would be nice to be in that position again. You know, to just well, now that I've achieved a lot of things, I think I can kind of go back to maybe that feeling of when I first took up the game. Well, you have the popular reputation of having raised the bar women's pool when you came over you won the second event you ever played in and then you just took off winning trophy after trophy after trophy and it is said that that is what caused the women of today to play as well as they do um 
Do you think uh, there are players on the horizon, young players coming that could raise that bar again? Absolutely. I think it's natural in life, you know, that there are going to be people that, you know, go beyond. There'll be people beyond Federer. There'll be people beyond Tiger. But I think there's always certain people in generations of sport that really do something special. And um, I, I feel like I've been a part of that, been sort of an ambassador for the sport on a world level. And I think a lot of countries have known me from my snooker career and now for my pool career. You know, and I've been talked to some of the other players, or they've talked to me, like Thorsten. And, you know, I played him in snooker when I was over in Germany when I was when he was 12 years old. <laughs> and uh, he, said I made a, he, he said I made a century break against him. And then I played... Uh, and then people like Shouting Pan on our tour, you know, growing up, she was watching me play on the classic tour and playing snooker as well, I believe, and sort of modelled some of her game on on mine so it's really wonderful when you see these players coming through and they're champions themselves and and they say that you know I was part of you know building their career too and some somebody to aspire to so the way that I've affected you know players who play on an amateur level and players who play on a professional level I think you know it doesn't get better than that when you've had that sort of effect on on different people sure and and as you said, sorry, just to kind of uh, carry on yeah. from that, yes, I mean, there are absolutely players who are going to raise the bar again, and uh, I think we've seen the growth of women's pool on a world level. If you look down our ranking list even, I don't know, you know, how, as far as Americans go, who's in the top ten right now. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's changed the game. It really has, and that's also thanks to the WPBA, the, the televised events being shown worldwide. I think that has a, a wonderful effect, and you know, it 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 sort of um, encourages players and associations to send their players to America to play on this tour because it is recognised as the best tour in the world. Allison, if I could follow up on on what you had just said, um, now you just came back to the states from playing in some events overseas. Um, yes. Now, did you play in the event that that Ahmet won? Yes, I did. Yeah, that was a World Timble Championships. I think I finished ninth in that. Right. Okay. Um, you know, Amit is one of those players, and, and I kind of consider her along with Shin Mei Lu that are they're both players that I think could compete very well on the WPBA. What do you think keeps them from coming over here and and throwing their hat in the ring? Oh, it's money. There's no doubt about it. People can't afford to do it. I mean, you have no idea. I'm sure you two do because you're in the loop. But for even other top players, they get to see them. But the general public um, don't get to see how many great Asian players there are who either don't want to compete in America because they just don't desire to travel or they just can't afford to. And Ruby Lin winning the World Temple was just a fairy tale for her and her country because she comes from, you know, we know that in the Philippines, not every, there's not many people who are wealthy over there. I'm sure there are plenty who are, but, you know, they really needed, her, her family needed that money, and and she has a backer in Mr. Puyat, I think, but, you know, I don't think he's just going to throw out the money for somebody just to go on a tour for, you know, a year or two. Her desire is to come to America, but it's purely financial right now. Okay. And if I can, if I can interject about Shin Mei Lu, 
what's amazing to, to me about Chen May is the fact that pool is a hobby for her. She's had a full-time job as a teacher uh, since she got out of college. Yeah, she's a sports teacher, I think. Um, but again, you know, you have to realize that a lot of these countries, too, their government really, really supports them. My government does nothing, and I don't believe the American government does. Um, as far as, you know, they respect that this, this, you know, they do have a World Games and that these events are major, they get a lot of TV. And if, if they're players, to give you an example, I found out that Gyeong Kim, who's Korean, well, she gets some sort of allowance for the rest of her life on a monthly basis from Korea for being a world champion. Um, mm. And I'm sure that Ruby Lin is getting probably some allowance from her government. And the Asian players, they get allowances when they win a world title or world something on a world level. They get you know paid very well. So in that sense, there is major incentive for them. And I believe that they also have you know, college and university courses in Paul in other countries. So they're really, they're sort of breeding great players. Yeah, it's it's no surprise to me that the game is growing so tremendously in Northern Europe and in, in all of Asia, because as you say, in those parts of the world, the government supports the players, sometimes giving them not only salaries, but things like uh, houses and new cars every year. Right. I mean, and when you're getting that, that's that's a nice incentive. That's, And it makes the sport more respectful. I mean, uh, Shouting Pan in China, I think she's part of nine pool rooms over there with her name on. And she's, you know, an idol in her country. So, I mean, it, when you're getting that, that brings a lot of notoriety to the sport and obviously puts the players on a pedestal. They become icons and it encourages more people to take up the game. If I could follow up on on a player having icon status, um, earlier you mentioned Federer and you mentioned Tiger, and I know that Billiards Digest had done an article a couple of years ago that talked about your record and how honestly you compare with both of those players. I mean, what is that like to to have a dynasty like you do, the number of, of titles that have been won. I mean, there was a time there where I think the other players just seemed to think they were playing for second place. I mean, it, what's that like? I think it's a tremendous honor. I think it really, you know, I'm really, really proud of myself. I think just not for my play, but I think the respect of my peers and and the sportsmanship I think that I bring to the game I think that was uh, it's a great thing to do and I think you know those other players like Federer and, and Tiger they bring that to their sport and I think another thing that I like in other players in other sports and our sport is being humble I think it's important not to get carried away with doing well because I've seen players come and go I've seen players win an event and they think they've cracked it and uh, then, you know, can't win another event. So I think it's always important to be humble in what you do and to respect, you know, other players. And I think it all comes back to you in the end. If, you, if you're trying to do the right things, then, you know, it's a good standard to set. And it's, I, I think it's a tremendous honor for me to be in that position. So I take it very seriously, too. <laughs> <laughs> um 
Jerry and I were talking earlier about the the elections for the Hall of Fame, and and of course you and Johnny were both uh, first year uh, or, or voted in on in your first year. Were you at all surprised, or were you following at all? Um, you know, Ralph Suquet, this was his first year that he could possibly make it in. Were you surprised that he uh, was not third or fourth where uh, Bustamante and Perico were? I didn't really follow it. I just actually more recently read about it. I didn't even know I was nominated, actually, until Barry Berman, I think, told me, I don't know, in Valley Forge in, in March, so I didn't actually know. I just knew I was over 40 and could be. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, Ralph, there's no doubt, he his record is, is, you know, incredible and is a champion through so many years, as is Johnny. Um, Bustamante, I mean, he's got a great record too. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I think it's not maybe about how many you win, but your popularity too. And also bringing notoriety to other parts of the world. Uh, yeah, it would be. I think it'd be surprising the order. I would I'd probably agree with that compared with what some players have done. Now you've been with uh, with QTech for years and years and years. You have a, a new partner, a new uh, player that's sponsored mm -hmm. alongside you at QTech, yes. Shane Van Boning. Uh, what's that? How do you feel about that? I think Shane is. Uh, not only is he's a great champion, but a really nice person. And I think QTEC were very smart in signing him up. And I think it's a great move for Shane um, because they're a very reliable company who really support the players and, you know, tours. So I think it's a really, you know, it's going to be a mutually beneficial relationship. And, you know, he's a humble sort of guy from what I've seen. I think he's a, a role model, you know, for, for players. And, um, you know, he just really wants to win. And he, he loves Paul and he's playing it 24 hours a day. And um, I think it's going to be a really good relationship for everyone concerned. And I'm, I'm very happy that they did sign him up and bring him on board. Well, I'm curious, Allison. I mean, I've watched your career since you came over here. And <laughs> it's just been phenomenal. Um, but the last year and a half, you've fallen off of your level, your standard level of performance. Uh, yeah. What's the deal? Are you finding it more difficult to put in the practice time? Are you getting less table time? What's going on? I think it's a few different things. I think it's some circumstances that have happened personally. I think um, practice time is another thing. And, um, you know, again, goal setting, going back to the goal setting, I need to start doing that. Um, it's not that I don't have a desire to win. I think when you sort of struggle a little bit, you can question some things. So, you know, I think I've got all the ingredients here. And I also just think the standard of play and, and what Altura has done with, you know, some of the decisions they've made with the ranking system and, um, you know, alternating break. You know, when I was doing extremely well and after, it was double elimination, winner break. So, you know, different set of circumstances, too. So well, a time, set of rules has... Has been said, has been put into place that we now call the Allison rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the Karen rules too. I mean, it was for for quite a while. Both Karen and I were dominating, and um, I think there's certain things that came into play to get more faces out there. And I think it's just made it a little bit tougher. I, you know, again, I think that um, 
the alternating brain, single elimination at last 16, I think, is a little strict when you consider how much people are, are paying to get to tournaments and, you know, what, you're, what you can potentially make. I don't really think right. it's very fair. I don't think it's fair on all players. Yeah, well, the changes have been, shall we say, interesting. Mike, you got anything yeah. else? Yeah. Um, in the past, the uh, the Hall of Fame, you know, they had their dinner at the trade show, and you know, this will be the first time that they have not inducted players as part of the trade show. It'll be at a ceremony at the U.S. Open. Did that in any way take away from the accomplishment? the fact that it it won't be at the trade show in front of your peers? Well, there's mixed emotions on that because it hasn't been at the trade show for a few years now. I actually went to the BCA um, pool event, you know, uh, last couple of years, I believe. So when it left the trade show, which was really people, obviously, in our trade who weren't players, probably weren't, didn't know much about what was going on on the tours as such, um, I mean, it, I've seen some great inductions over the years, and then I've seen some that aren't so great. <laughs> so it kind of lost a little bit of its appeal somewhere along the line. I don't know why. Um, it might have been the days that they put it on where some people just wanted to get home. And then it sort of went down in, I think, the money that they were putting into it. And then it went to the BCA, um, you know, the women's event, men's event, and the amateur event in Vegas. And so it was open to the public. And um, I don't know, I think, that, I think the US Open is a, a really great event to have it at. And I think, it, I think they'll do a really good job. The only thing is, obviously, you don't have some of the industry members there. So that's going to be a little bit different. And obviously, you probably won't have some of the women players there because it's at a men's event. So it's going to be very different, but it is in front of players. So I just, you know, I hope a lot of people come down and support it. And I hope that, you know, I can get some family and friends there too to support it because it is a, a true honour for both Johnny and I to be in it. And so I hope it turns out to be a really nice event. Well, I mean, since you're going to be there anyway, now if you could convince Barry to let you play, that might open up that whole new goal thing that you're working on. <laughs> Listen to you. I want to go there and accept an award and, you know, have my family and friends there and really enjoy it. So I'm not sure if I'm going to be competing. I think Barry's been asked that question about competing, but I think I'd rather have it as a nice leisurely weekend and enjoy what I've done. Well, Alison, it's always such a pleasure to speak with you. Um, I look forward to seeing you again soon. And uh, when you get those goals set, let us know. I will do. <laughs> Thank you very much, guys. Okay. Goodbye, Allison. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, that's a couple of happy people, Johnny and Allison, and I sure don't blame them. I mean, what an honor to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Uh, both very, very deserving players. Uh, no surprise at all that they were voted in in their first year. Um, I would urge fans, if you haven't already made your plans, U.S. Open Nine Ball Championship, Chesapeake, Virginia. It'll be the Thursday of the event. Uh, they're actually going to stop play and have the induction ceremony for both players. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I uh, wouldn't miss that one for the world. No, I encourage everyone uh, to get their tickets early for that one. There are only, I believe, 300 seats in the room. 
and uh, I'm sure they're going to go real, real fast. Um, but uh, also, hey, before I forget it, because my old brain forgets things, uh, remember, Run Out Radio is brought to you by Predator Cues, Tiger Products, and Simona's Cloth. Take care of those folks. We need them. Mike, you got anything else before we say goodbye? Um, no, you're off to Bristol to watch the ladies play. That'll be a nice change. Yep. I'll get to stay home and watch it on the streaming, and you'll get to go out and do the work. Yeah, I get to call you at uh, 8 o'clock in the morning your time that first morning to say, hey, is the camera straight? Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, you're <laughs> off to Bristol, and I've got a busy weekend of, uh, of tournaments to, to post reports from. And I promise that we will not take so long to come back for our next episode. Yeah, I certainly hope not. I've missed uh, doing these. It's just been such a, a busy time for us. But, folks, uh, we'll be back again uh, just as soon as the industry gives us something to talk about. For now, Jerry Forsyth, Mike Howerton signing off. Y'all have a good one.